Well, I've given away the uh, title already because we've talked about the Happy New You. And uh, our focus today is really not just about a date on the calendar or even 365 days that are ahead when a new calendar flips over. 364, if you count yesterday as one of the checkoffs, you know. Um, And we have this tradition, we have this opportunity quite often to make resolutions, to make new decisions, to look at the new year and think what God could do with that. And I want to focus, that's always a good thing. I love New Year, New Year's. Um, But we're going to look even deeper at how that can be not just a, a date on the calendar or a time for us to do that, but rather an opportunity that comes every day, opportunity for God to remake us new in him as he does that. Uh, 40 years ago, Lydia and I bought a house in Tacoma. The reason I know it's 40 years is because my daughter just turned 40 in July. And she was just, it was our first kind of christening uh, relationship in that, in that house. Um, so we um, had these fantastic next door neighbors. They were also a young couple. And through the course of 10 years living next to them, They had their two children. We had our three children. And we just had a blast with these neighbors. They weren't a part of our church family, but they were part of a church, uh, the Big C Church. And um, we did some weird, wacky things that you only do when you're really close to some neighbors. We took the panels off between our fences so that we could have one big backyard. You know, instead of having the the, the, the water slide goes certain, we could go clear down the hill, down, you know, through two yards. Uh, as they raised their kids and we raised our kids, there were times where someone had to run to the store, so we'd be in the backyard, and we'd watch both sets of kids. You know how you do that with teamwork and uh, effort. We fell in love with them and with their, their children. And then we moved down here in 1989, 1990. And ever since then, we've had a habit on New Year's Eve of contacting Tim and Paula, our neighbors. They either contact us or we contact them as a tradition and a a kind of catch up. How's your year going and how's it been? Uh, My kids got so used to them, Tim and Paula, they just skipped the and. They just called them Tim Paula. That was kind of like their nickname for (laughs) Tim Paula. We're going to Tim Paula's house, you know? And uh, this year, not unlike others, Uh, They were actually flying from Costa Rica to Alaska at the moment of midnight when we, you know, made made contact or at least left a message and then later made uh, contact. I say all that just to think, you know, when when you have a date that comes on the calendar that means something to you, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, or a New Year's Day, you can utilize that to your advantage. You can make it uh, benefit you. And God encourages us to take each day that he gives us to use it to his glory and for his good. And, you know, it's good because we don't know what t- tomorrow holds, do we? Who'd have thought two years ago that the events of the last two years would have taken place? Did anybody predict it? Did anybody expect it? Did anyone think about it? No. Much of what we go through in life is unknown. So when we say Happy New Year, it depends. 
depends a lot on events, depends a lot on what takes place. But what I want to encourage you about today, a lot of it more depends on what's going on on the inside of us. Not externally, not materially, not financially, not politically. It has to do with what's going on spiritually. That's really where the happy can come from, and especially when we think about the happy new you. You may not know what the future holds, but you know who does? God knows. You know what the scripture says about God knowing? (laughs) I know the plans I have for you. I know the plan I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you. Appreciate the songs that were selected today. A good, good grace. A good, good God. Evidence is all over the place. You know? The evidence of this, that God has plans for you and for me, regardless of what's taking place in our culture, what's taking place in, uh, around the world, what's taking place biologically around us. As Donnie said, you've got a sin-soaked world and you've got a holy God. And the more we draw toward the holy God, the more the sin-sick world, the sin-soaked world is dealt with, as he says here, not plans to hurt you. Now, I want that to soak in for a minute because sometimes that's our big challenge. Is God good? Does God have a good plan for your life? The classic scripture, for God can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So, you know, you key in on that. I will give you what? Hope and a good future. Now, see, I see this in direct competition with what our culture tries to breed in us, which is usually the opposite of fear, hopelessness. The opposite of, uh, of hope, fear, and hopelessness. You know, our culture's trying to breed that. What's God want to breed in us? Hope and a future. So I want to encourage you through this message to be thinking about how God wants to make not just a happy new year, yay, everything's fine, everything's dandy, it's happy, but rather his characteristics, his newness of life in us. A lot of it boils down to asking the right questions, seeking what he has in store So I want to start off with this uh, verse from Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And uh, just use this as an intro for us today. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, what is behind, and straining toward what is ahead, I press on on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Think about a couple of things here with me. First of all, he says to leave the past. Jot that down if you would. It's in your uh, handout, a little outline for you there. Leave the past. He says, forgetting what lies behind. As we're on the brink of this new year, as we're starting off January 2nd today, what are you leaving behind? 
What fear? What hopelessness? What pain? What sorrow? Is worthy of just saying, I'm leaving that behind. Forgetting what lies behind. You know, tomorrow cannot be changed. Tomorrow, I mean, tomorrow can't be changed. Yesterday cannot be changed. It's over. So forget what lies behind. Learn lessons from it, but forget it when it comes to the pain. Forget it when it comes to letting it run your life. Leave the past behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Live in the present. He says, not yet. I have not yet attained to it, so I press on. Do you have the posture this morning of pressing on? Is your new year focus pressing forward, moving on, not yet having grasped what God, all that God has, but straining toward his goal with his plan in mind, straining toward what is ahead? I think that's what draws us all to this time of year. We get excited because the calendar's empty. You can do whatever you want with this year. You can use any day and every day, however you want to use it, and it's a, a, a drawing, compelling thing to press on. How are you going to use the year God has given us, the year that is ahead? Live in the present. Don't let the past rob the present or the future from what God has for you. Third one, last one, look to the future. He says, I press on toward the goal of the prize that God has called us heavenward. So there's the ultimate prize of being with the Lord forever, but there's the in-between goals that lead us forward in an everyday kind of basis. This is uh, written by the Apostle Paul, and he was a, a master at pressing forward to what the goals were, to what he had. We're going to look at that in some detail today because the hope that he gives us is based on leaving the past, living in the present, and looking to the future, looking to God's future. You don't want to be happy, uh, you know, it doesn't say happy same year, happy similar year, happy everything. It's happy new year. God's given us brand new opportunity. Anticipate pray for and prayerfully dream of what God has in mind. So let's ask ourselves a couple of key questions today as we think about the new you, the new you, as we leave the past, as we live in the present, and as we look to the future. Number one, jot this down. What do I need to put off and what do I need to put on? Some key scriptural words, put off and put on. The Apostle Paul would love to write to uh, places like Ephesians, the Ephesus church, Colossians, these places that had um, massive factories of clothing and clothiers. They were excellent. In fact, a lot of times they would wear their wealth in their clothing. They would not have a bank account to keep their because they would actually sew gold cords and things in their clothing. So there was this big thing about what do you put on and what do you take off? 
Clothing was a big thing. Clothing was a big deal. And the imagery is really used by God for us. What do you put off and what do you put on? What are you going to put off this year and what are you going to uh, put on? What he's talking about here is really not, it's not about clothing, but clothing kind of gets to it. It's more the heart. What needs to change in your life? Like clothes, you have to take off the old clothes before you put the new clothes on. What happens if you leave your old clothes on, buy a new set of clothes, and try to put them over the old? Not going to (laughs) fit. You know, it's going to be distorted. So he says, take off. What happens if you take off the old but never put on the new? (laughs) You're running around naked. So it's really important to get both aspects. You lay aside the old, put off, and you put on. So what are some things the scriptures talk about putting off and putting on? Replace the removed with the old. So, you know, if you maybe, um, maybe you have a challenge with gossip. And you say, I'm not going to gossip anymore. Well, that can be healthy. What are you going to put in its place? If that's one of your normal ways of relating to people, how are you going to change that to encouraging others rather than gossiping? Maybe envy has been one of your past um, signature sins, envying other people. Now you say, how can I become generous? What Mark talked about last week. No? How can I become a generous person rather than an envious Person. So you take away one and you put in its place something positive. Maybe sexual impurity has been a part of your mind and your lust, and you, you say, I'm not going to think about that anymore. What healthy thoughts are you going to fill your mind with? What scripture can you coat your mind with to overcome the sexually immoral thoughts that have been plaguing you? What purity would God give you? Maybe uh, anger has been one of your common expressions. You're saying, I don't want to be an angry person. I want to be a thankful person. I want gratitude to come out of my mouth, not anger and frustration. So that's the part of God's plan where we put off and we put on. Look what Ephesians chapter 4 says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self. Repeat that. Put off your old self. One more time. Put off your old self. That's what we're putting off. Everything that doesn't have to do with Jesus Christ and is being expressed in our lives. It's our pre-Christ life. He says, put it off. Put everything off that does not have to do with Christ. It's your old Self. Now, it's not just a matter of the will. You're asking God to help you do that, to bring that about. And it says that old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So it has to do with what you want out of life. It has to do with your desires. It has to do with your passion. And you're asking God to take over your old, take away your old passions and give you brand new passions. Look what it says. To be made new, underline that word, 
new in the attitude of your minds. See, that's what makes a brand new you. It's not the year flipping. It's what's going on in your attitudes of your minds. The attitude of your minds. To be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self. Just like we repeated the old self. Let's repeat that. Put on the new self. When we take off the old self, what do we put on? The new self. We take off Christlessness and we put on Christfulness. He calls on us to take it. He says, have this attitude in yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. That even though he had equality with God, he didn't count equality with God as something to be hung on to. Instead, he emptied himself and became a servant. He says, have that kind of attitude in yourselves. Put on the new self. It's, it's simple in a way. It's the Christ-likeness that we're asking God. He says, you were created to be like God. Have you caught that before? You were made in God's image. And as a new believer, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, he says, I've created you to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. That's the goal that God has for every one of us is to act and to be children of the most high God, to let his character, to let his choices, to let his attitudes and his actions be expressed to us. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We are to do God's will here, to be like God in true righteousness and in true holiness. It's so simple, and yet it's so amazing when God really, really does that. What are your thoughts? What are your actions? What's your character? Now, let's take another one. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on. What do you got? Lay aside, put off. What are you going to put off? Deeds of darkness. What are you going to put on? <laughs> Armor of light. Folks, was there ever a time, that, can you remember a time that had more darkness to it, more darkness exposed than the days we're living in right now? More than ever before, God wants you and I to put on the armor of light and we will astound and amaze with God's love the, the community and the culture in which we live. Never before have I seen the opportunity for the body of Christ to rise up with armor of light. You know what's gonna happen though? If our light is hidden, if our armor is not on, we'll get swallowed up by the very culture that's filled with darkness. We'll be swallowed up by that darkness instead of swallowing up the darkness with God's wonderful, amazing light and how he calls it this armor of light. You know, God wants to give us uh, a, a, a powerful opportunity to shine for him. And I was thinking about this today, uh, this weekend, and I was thinking about... Um, an illustration uh, might come to putting off and putting on. I, I, I don't know if you can see this up here, kind of a ways back, but I was thinking about how filled with um, decadence our um, 
holidays are, I don't know, this kind of chocolate cake, I don't know, should I cut a piece? Yes. <laughs> Caitlin wants a piece. <laughs> oh, this looks so good. This is a bakery produced, oh man. Now, with the sugar content of the holidays, you know, we might want to set that aside as the old, okay? That might be something. Now, now, you know, I'm not against great treats or chocolate. I, I, I love them, but it's not necessarily healthy for us. It may be something we want to leave behind or lay aside, not be something that we uh, jump into. Now, sometimes we would want to look more at what is to replace it. If we say, I'm not going to have that, we might say, what is the healthy alternative? So what have I got up here? Mmm. Fruit. Oh, yeah. Here, Brad. No. <laughs> Now, <laughs> don't tease me. Now, if we focus so much on what we're taking out of our life, if we, if we focus too much attention on what's not good for us or what we're setting aside, sometimes that in itself can capture our thinking. It can hold our attention. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want us to be so focused on the old. He just says, put it off, set it aside. It has to do with unhealth. Don't let it be um, cumbersome to you. Now, um, some people, they're really good at getting really close to, the, to, to sin or to something that they, don't, that they want to get out of. They, they linger long around what they want to put off. And they might even take pride in, I can get really close to that and never let it bother me. You know, what's the scripture say? If you think you stand, take heed lest you fall. <laughs> yeah. So he's warning us, there's certain things to lay aside. There's certain things to fill your life with. And when you set something aside, ask God the key question, what do you want me to put on? If I'm taking this off, what do I put on in its place? And how are you going to show me that? <laughs> I know it's a humble illustration, but uh, was it Mr. Miyagi in Karate Kid that was doing the wax on and wax off? You know, and he said, you got to wax on with one hand and wax off with the other. And don't forget to breathe. It's really important that you breathe. <laughs> Remember that? Well, why is he doing that? Why was he, besides he wanted his car waxed, you know, he wanted the fence painted, you know, and yet Karate Kid finally figured it out. It was so that he had this muscle memory. He was practicing for karate, even though he did not, because muscle memory could happen. And the same thing is true with us spiritually. Every time we take something off and we put something on, when it comes to spiritually, we build in ourselves 
resilience and uh, opportunity for that to be muscle memory spiritually for us. Oh, I know how that works. And we begin to see our lives over time take on a different characteristic. We begin to see Christ's likeness come out through us. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Yeah. How is it God's going to use muscle memory for your spiritual muscle memory? Now, there's some traps that happen when we're laying something aside and focusing on the new. Sometimes, have you ever had this happen? Sometimes we get a perfectionistic trap. We follow, we fall into the line of, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to get it all under control. And we think that uh, perfectionism is possible. Major mistake. Sometimes we think of it as a one and done deal. Well, all I got to do is decide one time and everything else will work out. Rather than making it like the scriptures talk about it, a daily putting off and a daily putting on. Jesus said, if you're going to be a follower of mine, if you're going to be a serious follower of mine, You've got to take up your cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Taking up your cross isn't just a one-time deal. That's a salvation deal. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, and it's one time done. But when it comes to following Christ, when it comes to taking on Christ-likeness, it's a daily dying. It's a daily cross. It's a daily taking up the Lord's It's just not a one-and-done deal. And the final trap, besides perfectionism and one and done, is it just doesn't sometimes fit our feel. We don't feel right acting this new way. We're so used to relating a certain way. When you change the way you relate to others, sometimes it takes a while to get into it. Let's say somebody is really, really good at sarcasm. One of my kids, when they were uh, in high school, they said, the kids know me as the comeback kid, the comeback king. I can come back to anybody's statement. I can put them down more than they can put me down. Well, that might not be something you want to brag about, okay? So when you say, I'm not going to be sarcastic, I'm going to build people up, it might feel a little weird if you're really, really used to a different way of relating to people. Hang with it. Let God continue to use you. And you'll begin to develop muscle memory in a brand new arena, in a brand new area. God will give you, give you that. Um, well, what do we put off? The deeds of darkness. What do we put on? The armor of light. Let's take another one here. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just putting on light. <laughs> We're putting on Christ. The character, the attitude, the um, activity of Christ. He says, put on the Lord. Put on the Lord. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge evil desires. If you want to know what to put on, put on the Lord Jesus. Put on his love. Put on his grace. And don't indulge the evil desires. One more I want to, I want to talk about. For as many as you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I mentioned earlier the one and done. In, in, in a way, the baptism is that area where, yes, 
It's one and done. We are baptized and we put on Christ. It's not the end of the story. It's the beginning. Sometimes we see baptism as the end. It's not. It's the initiation. Now, a year ago, we had, um, gosh, I think we had five baptisms. Danny and William and Ethan and Tyler and um, Brooke, Brooklyn. It was just so much fun to see a bunch of baptisms. We saw Michael and we saw, um, we had like nine baptisms last year, early in the year. Now, we haven't had as many this fall or, or, or winter, but um, what happens when you are baptized? He says, you put on Christ. Now, our goal for every one of those nine people that got baptized is not just to, hey, they're dunked and they're safe and they're going to heaven, bye. No, just the opposite. We want to help them exhibit a Christ-likeness. We want to help them exhibit by putting on Christ. Some things get buried, the Bible says, in baptism, but you stand up and walk in newness of life to a brand new life. You take off the old, not the removal of filth from the flesh, but the answer to God of a clear conscience. Let me encourage, there may be people here today who've not yet been immersed into Christ. Take time. This is a perfect time of year to take care of that. Have uh, the opportunity. We'll, we'll baptize you next, next Sunday. Baptize you into Christ right here at the beginning of the year. Just like it says here, to put off the old and to put on Christ. If you've never demonstrated your faith in Jesus through the immersion into him, let it be so. Let it come uh, for this season. It's a great way to get started putting off the old and putting on the new. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about um, closed doors and open doors. Where are the closed doors and where are the open doors? So what have I got to put off and what have I got to put on? Where are the open doors and where are the closed doors? That's a good question for us as we head into this year and we ask God to make a new you out of us for this new year. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9 says, there's a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. <laughs> the Apostle Paul is saying, there's a wide open door, but you know what? There's still opposition. Open doors don't mean there's no opposition, but you can tell when God opens a door. In fact, uh, Revelation says it this way, I've placed an open door before you that no one can shut. When God opens a door, a person cannot shut that door. When God opens a door, no person can, can, can shut that. There's something about, about a, a door that God opens that is impossible. Now, I don't know about you, but I think God has given us an opportunity, a, an open door through the pandemic through the pandemic. Now, I know we, we um, bristle against the pandemic. There's a lot of negatives to that, a lot of loss of life. As Donnie was saying today, it's a terrible disease. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. At the same time, because of what's going on in our culture, the opportunity, the open door is now on us like never before. 
We as the body of Christ, if we rise up, if we stand faithful, if we put off and put on, if we sense God's open door, no one can shut the door that God is opening. The opportunity for more men and women, more children and teens, more young people to come to Christ than have ever come to Christ in the history of our nation stands at our door. Will we use it? Will the church rise up or, we, or will we continue to let the deeds of darkness reign instead of the armor of light? Will we continue to let fear dominate rather than trust? You know, when it comes to following the open door, trusting is, is key for us. Where is God at work? Where's God at work financially? You know, sometimes people talk about the collapse financially, which you feel like you're on the brink sometimes, the way our leaders are taking uh, liberties. Could it be that through financial collapse, once again, we see God opening doors for God's people like never before? Could it be through family and definitions of what is family? Could it be through ministry? that God wants to be at work in people's lives. So we don't know why God shuts a door, but God shuts doors. God opens doors, no one can shut, and he closes doors, no one can open. Do you know why? No, I can't figure it out. In fact, let's go to this next phrase. This is from Acts chapter 16. Acts is uh, where the Apostle Paul is trying to preach the gospel to every creature. He's trying to lay down his life in ministry. And guess what? God closes a door. Now, he opens a door, but he closes a door. This is worth studying. This is worth digging into for a minute. Because the very thing that the Apostle Paul is dealing with, we need to wrestle with. What are our open doors? What are our closed doors? And where do we find the answer to which is which? Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Let that sink in for a minute. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. Now, what would be wrong with preaching the word in the province of Asia? That seems like a good thing, right? Why would the Holy Spirit, we don't know. We don't even find out in the end exactly, although we look at it and we go, oh, God had a bigger plan. God had a better plan. God had a sovereign plan, and that's what we've got to trust. God's opening and God's closing of doors is directly related to his sovereignty. Now, there have been times where doors have been closed to me, like this, that you just look at it and say, it's got to be in God's will, doesn't it? And I come away going, no, the door's closed. Got to come back at that later. Got to come back. Sometimes it's, um, it's for character development that God wants to do in me. He's not opened the door because I'm not ready for that door to be open. He still has some character building to do in me before that happens. Sometimes <laughs> the door's closed and I watch someone else harvest or, 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 or make inroads and you go, that's why God, the door wasn't open for me because God had somebody else that needed to be built up and encouraged in that way. Sometimes, and the big one, is he teaching us 
to trust him. When a door is closed, you know, we don't stand there stubbornly and say, I'm going to wait right here until God opens that door. Now, there's times to be persistent. Scriptures teach that. But sometimes we just need to go, okay, that door seems to be closed. We don't know why. What other doors are open? Go to the open door. Go where the way seems clear. We saw Joseph in the Christmas story. You know, he, he finds his wife to be pregnant. He can divorce her quietly. That's the seemingly open door. But what does God do? An angel comes in the dream, and he finds a totally different open door. He's going to become the earthly father to the heavenly king. Okay? How did that happen? He looked around. He was open to God's leadership, and God revealed the open door. God loves to reveal the open door for us. Don't just let the stubbornness of your own heart stand there and miss the open door because of the closed door. You following that? God can, can teach us to trust and to keep. In fact, uh, let's keep reading this. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over in Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen this vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Closed door, Troas, open door. Closed door, preaching the gospel in Asia. Okay, I'm going to see what else God has. He goes to Troas. What happens in Troas? The next open door was revealed. Sometimes we live in Troas. Some of you are going to Troas University. Somebody said they're, you know, they're, they're dating Mrs. Troas. <laughs> a, a door needs to open. Okay? No? For some, they're, um, yeah. What is it that God wants to reveal? And are you willing to hear, like the Apostle Paul did, the vision set forth by God? Even though everything in the closed door area seemed to be God's will, it wasn't. But God did reveal his will, and look what happened. Eventually, Paul gets that open door and the opportunity to preach in Asia too. So it was a temporarily closed door. God had a different route for the apostle Paul to go, but eventually, and this all often happens, the closed door is opened up again. Are you willing to trust God and begin moving? Begin moving. It's kind of like your... Uh, about this the other day. It's almost like your GPS, okay? When you're moving, your GPS will give you instructions. But if you're just parked, no instructions. It's when you're moving that it says, in two more blocks, turn right. In 3.5 miles, turn left. It'll give you directions as you move. So often, that's the way it is with God. He wants you to be moving. Do the next known step 
In this case, he went to Troas, and, he reve- and God revealed himself. It's kind of God's GPS. Don't camp out at the open door, I mean at the closed door, but look for the open door. Since so much has been shaken in our culture and in our community, it's, it's important for us right now, church, to be asking God, what is the next open door? What are the ways you want to use, Father, this p- pandemic, this uh, paranoia, this fear that's taken over our culture, this division that is so stark and striking? Lord, how do you want to use this? What is your plan, Lord? Show us the open door. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, like never before, God wants to use the body of Christ. He wants to use your life and my life, our lives collectively, to bring people to a relationship with him like never before. Oh, are you prepared, church? Are you prepared for your own personal revival? Are you prepared for the body of Christ's revival? Are you prepared for what God wants to do in this community with his love? Keep trusting, keep moving, keep looking and seeking. Well, there we go. Jot those down if you haven't yet. Keep trusting, keep moving. Number three, let's talk about what seems important versus what is truly important. What seems important versus what's truly important. Here we're talking about priorities. You know, so you've got, you've got what do you put off and what do you put on? You've got what doors are open and what doors are closed. And in this case, what's really important or what only seems important. Jesus loved to teach about this, like in Matthew chapter six, you know, therefore, don't worry about your life what you will eat or drink. Those seem like pretty important things, don't they? Eating and drinking seems really important. He says, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? What's really important is life. Not what you wear, not what you eat, not what's external. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. He just flips it upside down. Instead of seeking all these things and then hap- hoping the kingdom happens besides, flip it around. Seek the kingdom and all these other things happen besides. He will fulfill the needs. He will fulfill um, all these things will be given to you as well. The food and clothing seems important, but what is really important is life. What does God put first? What's most important? You guys know this one. What's the command that's the greatest or that's the most important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, all your mind. The first is the most important command and the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Those are the important things that will never change. That's what is important versus what seems important. One of my favorite verses, I love this on a plaque that I love to just uh, ponder. What is important 
is faith expressing itself in love. <laughs> it gets down to the heart of it, doesn't it? Would you guys mind repeating that with me? Let's just read that with me. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 5, 6. One more time. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Galatians 5, 6. So he wants to make you and I new by allowing us to express our faith, working itself out in love. That's the most important thing. Or do you not know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's where this whole happy new you comes down to. A happy new you because he says you can live a new life. Spiritual obedience leads to a new life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, new things or all things have become new. Thank you, guys. And I want to end with this. He says in Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The reason it's so important for us to say happy new you is because you're designed to live in a new heaven and a new earth. You're not going to enjoy the new heaven and the new earth unless God's doing a new work in you. What's important isn't the new year. It's the fact that the new heaven and the new earth come from him. And he says, I am making everything new. That's God's desire. That's God's passion. Is a new heaven, a new earth, no longer like Donnie spoke of, with a sin-soaked world and a holy God, but only a righteous, loving, holy God in, engaged with the holy body of Christ, those that are new. You have to be different. You have to choose different. You have to serve different. You have to obey different. You have to prioritize different. You are seeking the Lord. Remember um, Solomon's statement in Ecclesiastes? There's nothing new under the sun. And he's really right. When it comes to just earthly things, there's nothing new under the sun, but there is everything new under the S-O-N, sun. He is making all things new. Everything he makes new. Nothing new under the sun, it's the same. Everything new under the Son of God. Let's end with a, a time of commitment. I'm going to call the team up to lead us in one more kind of closing song. But I want to pray a prayer of commitment with you. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for allowing us to think through these things, what we would put off and what we'd put on. Father, we um, ask that this year of newness, we, you would f give us an opportunity to follow you and seek you and love you like never before. Help us to look to this new year 
by making these three main commitments to put off the old and to put on the new, to stop staying at closed doors, to start looking for your open doors, to stop seeking ourselves and our own desires, but instead your kingdom and your plans for our life by putting first our love for you and our love, your love for others. Lord, we make these commitments knowing we need Christ's strength, his Holy Spirit to fulfill them. Lord, we make these commitments in faith, believing you've begun to make all things new in our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.